You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Another edition of Green and Growing. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer here, along with our guy, Bucks superfan Nathan Marzian is in the house. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. Our guy, Rohan Kati, making his debut on the Eurostep podcast. Follow him on Twitter at R-K-A-T-T-I-J-R, otherwise known as the man that draws in the sand. Uh, that was that was quite amazing, man. You're on your vacation and you're dedicated to promoting that Eurostep podcast and the network drawn in the sand. Please do explain to everybody how that came about. It was just, I don't know. I was just in the sand. The person I was with, we were just like, oh, what, what are some fun things to write in the sand? What, what can we make like a funny tweet here? I was like, oh, I'll just put gspn.info in the sand. Like, why not? It's why not? Right? It's all, yeah, if I'm here, might as well. It's going to get washed away anyway. Might as well enjoy it. Talking to Ty Winnish, he's like, dude, he's the most dedicated dude ever when it comes to all of our podcasts and what we're trying to get done here. So that that is that is good stuff. All right, let's talk about this Milwaukee Bucks basketball team. I'll start. First question, would you play Giannis or Middleton the remainder of the regular season games? Rohan. Probably not, considering uh, we saw Chris Middleton leave the game uh, against the Chicago Bulls with a, uh, a re-aggravation of his right knee soreness. Just... Take take caution. You have you have games against the Spurs, or, or excuse me, the Grizzlies and the Raptors. Uh, the Grizzlies are pretty much locked into the two seed. The Raptors are in the plane, though they can shift seating a little bit. Both teams are really not going to have any major things to play for, and the Bucks don't have any major things to play for. The only accomplishment they can get now is sixty wins. Which does that mean anything when you have the number one overall seed nope. locked up? Not really whatsoever. So you you take caution if you want to get one final tune up game. Uh, with everyone in the rotation, I would understand that. But if everyone's not healthy, like completely healthy, why risk it? This team has been together for a while now. They know how to play together, the core guys. Uh, I, I believe in them. I trust them. So then when the playoffs start, they know they know what to do. So I, I trust them to not uh, mess things up, even if they don't get a final tune-up game in. Yeah, Rohan, first of all, good to have you on here. Nice to you know meet you virtually here for, for the first time and familiar with all your stuff. So um, good to have you on. And I wanted to know, so kind of on that note with the injuries and everything, how concerned are you with, you know, now Pat's been hurt, Grayson's been hurt and Chris going down yesterday. And I mean, particularly with Chris, cause I think we know that Grayson's is going to be just a little bit, he sprained his ankle and then Pat as well with Chris though. Are you concerned with, you know, how things have gone with him and, now having that re-aggravated this, this late in the season. And just like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I know some people kind of have, I think there's differing opinions on how well Chris has done, you know, coming back from injury and how they've ramped him up here. I personally have been okay with it. Like, I think they've done a good job kind of, you know, getting him going. We talked about it on the podcast, 
going from 15 minutes a game to 20 to, you know, he's been playing about 30 minutes a game the last month and disappointing, obviously that he had to leave the game yesterday and that's not a good sign, but just how have you felt about that and how confident are you that he can be himself or close to himself in the playoffs? Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Bucks have done an amazing job, like sort of getting him back into the rotation, getting him back, like ramping him up well. It's just been such a weird situation with him because he had that he had that MCL injury, obviously last season in the playoffs. He has off-season wrist surgery. Takes a while for him to come back and then op- immediately starts to go back out again with his knee injury. And it's not really it's not really something that they've uh, sort of gone into detail with it's just a re-aggravation of like right knee soreness like what's the underlying cause stuff like that but the Bucks have done a good job because he hasn't had like proper time to recover like he hasn't had a full off season in what feels like an eternity and he all of these nagging injuries his he just needs time and he just hasn't had it because the NBA season is constant the Bucks usually go deep in the playoffs and they've just had weird off seasons where he had to go to the Olympics right after winning a title and then doesn't get a full off season to recover. And then the following season, he has surgeries, knee injuries. It's just, it's, it's been a lot for Chris Middleton lately. And uh, uh, my co-host Ty Windish actually pointed this out to me that he had like a knee injury at Texas A&M. And ever since then, he's just had a constant ramp up process. That's why he fell in the draft that year to the second round of Detroit was because of that knee injury. Exactly. And uh, ever since then, every injury, he's had like a specific ramp up process. He hasn't had the opportunity to complete that process. So he's just been in this weird limbo state trying to come back without actually like getting the proper time he needs. So it's just been a weird experience. But in terms of what I am, I concerned about Chris? Yes, I am a little bit concerned about it. But we have seen earlier this season, he's missed like front front ends of back-to-back, so his second game of back-to-back. He's left games. He's been a late scratch because of knee soreness even after he's come back. And it's only been like a game or two. Um, before the All-Star break, he was a late scratch. And then after the All-Star break, he was ready again. So even now, the, the Bucks they have time. They've locked up this number one seed. The addition of the play-in tournament gives you basically an extra week before the playoffs start. So he has this time to recover. And if it is just a re-aggravation of soreness, like the Bucks are saying, I'm I'm fairly confident that he should be ready to go come playoff time. But as it comes for uh, Grayson and Pat Connaughton, obviously ankle injuries can be a little finicky. It could be like you just need to tighten your shoes tighter the same game, or you're out for three weeks. There's just there's a lot of variation there. Um, but hopefully they can come back all right, just fine. Even Bud talked about Grayson Allen saying he could be ready by game one of the postseason. We'll just have to wait and see on that front. But the good thing is, is this team is deep. They have very, they have a lot of options. They are built for sort of having to deal with this. Like we saw in that Bulls game, Wes Matthews comes back. He steps up with Grayson and Pat and Chris out. So you have guys who are ready to step up. I, uh, sorry guys, I, I can't look. If he's out, out and he can't play in that Boston series, if something you know gets to the point he can't play, I don't think they can beat Boston. I mean, I understand you've got you know Jake Crowder and Joe Ingles, and that's much deeper than Bryn Forbes and company that they had the last time. I get that, right? So I understand they're a better basketball team now than they were then. I, I just don't think they're going to have enough. And yes, Drew Holiday plays much better when one of those two other guys are out and he steps up and gets your 50 points and all this other stuff. Uh, I, I still am struggling that they're going to have enough to beat Boston without Chris Milton Rohan. Yeah, I, I to be clear, I don't think they could beat Boston without Chris Middleton either. Uh, in terms of like depth, I was more speaking to like Grayson and Pat being out. But if Chris isn't if Chris isn't hundred percent, I don't think this team can accomplish what it needs to. They need him to be sort of that 
that ball handler. They need him to be that shot maker that we've seen him. He can be like, look at that first half against Philly right. uh, just uh, this past weekend. Like he will go out there. He will go and make shots. He will be that difference maker that you need. And he's still capable of doing that, even with this uh, nagging injury. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't think that the Bucs uh, are prepared to, like, win a title without Chris Middleton. That That's obviously not the case, because how how often can you expect teams to win titles without, like, their three-time All-Star on the team? Exactly. Yes. Good. Because there's yeah, a lot of Middleton sure. hate out there, let's be honest. I mean, a lot of people out there, a lot of Middleton hate. And Nathan and I deal with it all the time uh, on this podcast, and Nathan more so than me on Twitter. Uh, but there's a lot of that hate. And... When he didn't play in that Boston series last year, I think everybody that kind of likes Milton said, there you go. There's your proof. He's that important. They couldn't win it without him. If he wasn't that good and he was overrated and all this other crap, they would have been able to overcome that and probably still win that thing. They couldn't. And I don't think anything has changed to this point, Nathan. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's been something we've known. And, you know, again, there's going to be people that always harp on, you know, Middleton's not that good. And, Middleton's not that important, and we've seen plenty of times like that's nonsense. And as you said, Rohan, the the ball handling and the perimeter game that he provides is something that we don't really have from anyone else on the team, and that's why I always was telling people like we got to wait for him to be back to really see how this offense clicks because he's such an important piece. You know, he's not just he's not just your second or third best player; he's your number one, you know, primary ball handler on the perimeter, and that's a huge thing. And you know, going talking about the Boston series and stuff like that, I wanted to ask. Obviously, they just clinched the one seed. And do you think that the one seed this year was a little more important to get than other years? You know, we obviously had a couple huge regular seasons and, you know, didn't end up making the finals in those seasons. But I don't know, with the being the three main contenders are, you know, Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, and you could argue maybe Cavs, but I think most people are pretty happy avoiding the Sixers in the second round and just not having to go through both Philly and Boston. You know, was it more of a... Um, more important to you this year and something that you wanted to get more than those other seasons? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the case. Like you pointed out, there's three main contenders in the Eastern Conference. There's Milwaukee, there's Philly, there's Boston. In previous years, we've seen like, oh, maybe the Heat, maybe they can do some stuff. They got Jimmy and Bam. That does not appear to be the case this year. You would have those sleeping giants, however much you want to call it, in Brooklyn. That's not a thing anymore. You would have these random teams like, oh, maybe maybe Trey Young and the Hawks can do things. That's not going to happen this year. You clearly only have three, in my opinion, like you said, Nathan, you can argue the Cavs if you want. Uh, there's only three teams, in my opinion, you can really win the East, and that's Milwaukee, that's Boston, that's Philly. And if you can be the one seed and you only have to play at most one of them, you take that, you, you, you do anything you can to get that. Sure, it's like... Uh, if you're the best team, you should be able to beat them anyway. Sure. Do I believe Boston or Milwaukee could be both Boston and Philly in the same playoff run? I absolutely think so. Why would you want to, though? Why would you want to have to go through that? If you can be the ones you'd lock that down and just have to play one of them to get uh, to get to the NBA finals, you take that. So I believe this team really, really wanted to get the one seed. And you saw them take it from Boston. That 16-game uh, winning streak really put them in prime position to do that. They took it and they never gave it back. And this team wanted it. You could tell by some of the comments that they made. They they wanted it. They got what they wanted. And looks like they've just continued to do what they do under Bud, and that's just win basketball games. Let's talk about Bud, shall we? Mike Boonholzer, the guy that was under fire from the TNT crew through that championship run that year. 
against the Nets. I mean, he was under fire. Like no coach I've seen from that crew. They were all over Boone Holzer. Not just hey, not just the not just the TNT crew, Bucks fans too. And no, I so was I. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was I was, I was guilty of yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I'm all saying, over like, leading I'm, up I through there. that whole thing too. After game five, it was like that was the that was one of the moments where I was like, Oh my goodness, like is this it, is he not the guy? Like, can we there, not do this? Game five against Brooklyn, it was like, I don't know. It was when Rick Carlisle was available too, and they were like, Hey, yes. is Rick Carlisle gonna be the coach of the Bucks? Yes, no doubt. And I wanted Rick Carlisle in the worst way. Now, having said that, they won the championship. I was on the air back when we had shows on the air. And I said, hey, man, now we got to let him go. Got to just back off, man. He's got a ring. You know, you can say whatever you want, but he does not need to be grilled and under fire like he was leading up to this thing. You know, kind of gets a hall pass uh, for a little bit here. Okay. Last year, Milton got hurt. Can't put that on butt. So here we sit. They're the one seed again. Rohan, how much faith do you have in Mike Budenholzer going through the playoffs this year? I I have a lot of faith in Mike Budenholzer, especially considering the other coaches in the Eastern Conference. Like, if you want to say uh, a first-year co- head coach in Joe Missoula in Boston is going to be head and shoulders above Mike Budenholzer, no I wouldn't. No shot. And nope. uh, I'm I'm taking I'm taking anyone, a lot most coaches over Doc Rivers, uh, to say the least. Uh, Mister Three One himself. It hangs in uh, it hangs in Pfizer for a reason. Uh, it's I, I do have faith in Mike Budenholzer. Like you mentioned, we we have there was a lot of discourse to be had about what Mike Budenholzer was doing during playoff runs. We'd seen him sort of uh, come under fire for his uh, lack of adjustments, as a lot of people would like to call it. And uh, though I disagree with some of that, there was some truth to that. He was very he was very staunch in what he wanted to do. And you saw that that first year he was there, like with him and Chris Middleton, they would they would have their back and forths about what kind of shot selection uh, Chris wanted to take and what Bud wanted to implement. But he had to uh, he had to basically start from nothing. He had to teach them how to basically play organized basketball because of the previous regime. Uh, so you take uh, you take that. It's a learning process. It's, he's grown with this group. I mentioned this group has been together. They know what they're doing. Bud is a part of that. Bud knows these guys. They know how they play now. It's been years and years now. He understands what kind of shots people want to take. He understands what kind of personalities he has. It's it's not something that's going to get figured out in one season, two seasons. Uh, it's it's going to take time. And like I feel like Bud has a good understanding of what this team is now, who's on the team, and how to press the right buttons to get this team to succeed. Because he's, we've seen him win under a lot of different circumstances. We've seen him win like just purely playing. Uh, just hard-nosed defense. We've seen him uh, incorporate a lot of offensive versatility, especially this season. Uh, we've seen him be able to like change up his defense. We've se- we've seen a lot of that. So he's sort of silenced the critics in that regard because we sh- he's shown, hey, I can adapt. I can do what needs to be done. So I have a lot of faith in Mike Budenholzer. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. And I, I was having this conversation with Ty earlier, actually, where it's like he's probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, God, I'm going to choke. First ballot Hall of Famer. Maybe not oh, first ballot, but he's a Hall. Of, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a he's an NBA champion who's uh, multiple sixty win seasons, Coach of the Year with two different franchises. Yeah, Coach of the Year though tends to be a death knell for most of the coaches in the NBA. You can get Coach of the Year and you're fired two years later. So I don't know if I even want to even put that on my resume at this point. If I was Boonholzer. I don't know, man. I think. If he wins one more, then I'd say, yeah, two championships for an NBA coach probably gets you in the Hall of Fame more than likely. I guess that'd be the other thing. We'd have to do our research on this, obviously, but how many NBA coaches that won championships aren't in the Hall of Fame? 
And then of those that aren't in the Hall of Fame, what are their records compared to Boonholzer as coach? And again, did it in Atlanta and really, you know, got stopped by LeBron, which everybody did uh, at that point. That really wasn't all on him necessarily. Uh, he took a team that nobody thought was going to win that many games and got him to win that many games. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, and now you could talk about him furthering the development of Brooke Lopez for sure. Brooke Lopez, much better under Boonholzer. Um, and I think Giannis, you know, to a certain degree, is taking a step. Middleton, as much as I hated this whole idea of avoid the mid-range shot that first year and let's just focus on threes, he's come around and become a more complete player under Bud as well. So the more I talk about it, maybe. And part of the Spurs dynasty as well. That has yep. to be taken into consideration. Why? He was an assistant. That he's on the team. He's on the no. bench. No, 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 no. I, Marky, come on. No, absolutely not. If you talk, Go to football for a second. If you talk about Mike Holmgren. Right, Mike Holmgren gets credit for doing what? Taking Seattle to the Super Bowl, taking the Packers to the Super Bowl multiple times. Ain't nobody bringing up. Well, he was on Bill Walsh's staff too. Don't forget about that. Ain't nobody bring that crap up. You're stretching and reaching. You're telling me some assistant coach deserves that because again, the Hall of Fame. Oh, stop, like, Nathan. Go ahead. Good I, I was uh, I was looking yesterday at. I got curious. I looked up the best records in the league over the last. I think it was five seasons and like regular season and playoffs combined. And we're literally 32 games ahead of the next best team. It's crazy, like, just how much success we've had, you know, combining both even regular season and playoffs um, with just the one championship. We're still 32 games ahead. And, um, Rowan, I wanted to ask, I I always get the feeling that Bud's title run is, like, he doesn't get enough credit for that. I feel like there's so many fans, and, like, in, particularly the Bucks fans, I feel like that just go, oh, he only won because he had Giannis, and he, you know, it was just Giannis carrying him to a ring. And, Obviously, that helped a ton. Obviously, Giannis was the main piece, and you know nobody's arguing that. But I, I he proved a lot of people wrong to me, and he proved me wrong in that in you know those last few series that he can adjust a little bit, he can adapt a little bit, and it was something that I didn't know he could do going into those playoffs. And again, midway through that net series, you were like, I don't know, like this doesn't look good, and he was able to find ways to win and you know go down 2-0 in series, come back and make adjustments to to get back into it. And I don't know. I, I feel like people kind of just go, you know, he, had, he, he wasn't a big part of that. It was more just Giannis to me. I think he, he deserves more credit for that. And that's another reason why I do trust him is because I feel like I noticed some of the things that he, he changed in his, you know, good things he did in those playoffs that maybe other people don't always notice. Oh yeah, for sure. Like in that entire playoff run after, after 48 minutes, game one, the Bucks were never winning in any of their playoff series. Like first round, like it goes to OT in game one, then you lose first two games in Brooklyn. You lose your first game to Atlanta. You lose your first two games to, uh, to Phoenix. The only way you come back in these series, obviously, like you mentioned, it's players. It's like a lot, the players are the ones doing things. And obviously they deserve a lot of credit. Uh, but it, it, it's all done as a collective, like no players winning without good game plan and no game plan is actually winning you games without the players actually doing what needs to be done so the way you come back in series is by actually like looking at your chessboard and sort of determining what moves need to be made and i think the best example of that is the the finals uh against the phoenix suns where you see in the first two games of that series or even the first game of that series was the most uh it was the most evident you just uh whenever brooke lopez bobby portis are on the are on the court it was just Chris Paul come, call for a screen and then just uh, just sort of get them in isolation because they knew the Bucks were going to pre-switch that and just like give up easy switches on those 
on those screens and then just let them cook in the mid-range, get easy mid-range jumpers. That's how Phoenix won game one, game two, because that's what they like to do. They like to get into their mid-range game. They like to mid-range you to death. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, now KD. That's going to be a monster. Uh, but that's what they like to do. So what do you do when you see that happen time and time again? You change it. And you didn't see that happen again for the uh, in that series because the Bucs actually adjusted to that. Like Mike Budenholzer adjusted the game plan to that. And like it's it's very evident if you actually watch the if you watch the basketball games, like, oh yeah, Bud actually does know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And I also wanted to bring up just I mean, I just thought of it as we're, you know, going through that playoff run and, re- and remembering everything. The fact that I mean Giannis goes out in that Atlanta series and they're still still able to win that series and you know, that was at that point tied 2-2 and you lose your best player and you got to adjust on the fly to that. I mean, so much credit, I think, you know, should go to him. And as I said, I just, I don't think that a lot of Bucks fans give him the credit. You know, they, I think so many people are just hesitant to really, you know, give him credit over other, any, anything else. And it's just, I, I've always been kind of thinking he's, he's a little underappreciated for that playoff run, but yeah. You know, Rohan, I want to talk about another guy that Nathan and I've had conversations about bring you into the mix drew holiday our starting point guard okay now drew holiday damn damn good player right no question like probably should be a perennial all-star one of the best on-ball defenders uh, in the league defensively uh offensively uh can do a bunch of different things but i argue like with eric bledsoe back in the day and we saw it here with with drew holiday as well I feel like when all three of those guys are out there, Middleton, Giannis, and him, he kind of takes that back seat uh, and kind of watches those other two. And you don't really see the aggression that you see when Middleton uh, or Giannis are out. So Middleton is out. There's a That's a different true holiday that's playing offensively. When all three of them are out there, he changes his game to kind of follow the background. I argue I don't want that. I want him to be just as aggressive, as aggressive as he is offensively, when, he, when one of them aren't there versus when one of them or when both of them are there at this point, because realistically you want all three of them to get 25, 30 points on a night. That's going to be very, very difficult to stop. But if I'm having to rely on Giannis to get 35 and Middleton to get 25 or 30 and holidays shipping in 12 to me, that's, that's not holding up your end of the bargain uh, at this point. You have to be that offensive player like you are when they're out. And to me, he just doesn't do that normally, even in the regular season. It's not just a playoff thing. Just even in the regular season, that tends to happen. Uh, as well what are your thoughts on drew holiday i think i think you're right in the sense that uh like you you see one guy obviously it takes a step back whenever all the all of the big three are healthy and traditionally that's been drew holiday because like and that's if if one person has to do it out of those three it's it makes sense for it to be drew because obviously Giannis is Giannis, and then chris is has been that offensive focal point so if one guy has to take a step back usually it's it's going to be drew but we've—I feel like we've almost seen a changing of the guard this season. Like we, I, Drew Holiday is the Bucks' second best player, and that's not a question anymore. Uh, we're still seeing Chris sort of get back to where he was, sort of try to become who he was again. And Drew Holiday is that number two. So I, I do agree with you. We do need to see a lot more aggression from Drew because, like we've seen in playoff seasons, uh, as he's been a member of the Milwaukee Bucks, his his offensive efficiency efficiency just falls off a cliff. And it's like every time I see him shoot really well in the regular season, I'm like, 
can you imagine if this translates to the postseason even right. a little bit? Like, how good yep. could this Bucks team be? Because you just know that it's coming. Like, it's just going to be something that happens. It's, it's something we've got to get used to as Bucks fans, even though we're probably a little bit used to it after having to deal with Eric Bledsoe. Uh, True. But in, in terms of Drew Holiday being engaged offensively, I think one thing that goes a little bit underappreciated with Drew in terms of his offense is whether or not he's scoring the ball a lot, his playmaking is always going to be there. He's yeah. always going to have he when he has the ball in his hands, he's always going to do a great job setting guys up. Even though he's not might not be scoring the ball super well, he's going to be getting guys in position. Uh, he's going to be, uh, you know, creating those mismatches. He's going to be like gravitating towards the paint, uh, getting guys cutting, getting some shooters open. He's going to have an impact offensively, even if he's not uh, scoring the ball that well. And I think that's one of the biggest differences between him and Eric Bledsoe is uh, though, even though both of them, like I mentioned, their offense has sort of dropped off as the playoffs come by. Like Drew Holiday still finds ways to make an impact. Like you're always going to see like seven, eight assist uh, games from Drew Holiday in the playoffs, uh, even if his shooting efficiency is down. Uh, you just wouldn't see that from a guy like Eric Bledsoe. Uh, and uh, he's also, like you mentioned, I'd say he's the best perimeter defender in basketball. Sure. So if you're going to if you're going to be contributing on that end a lot, uh, and you're going to be becoming like a great playmaker, even if you're not scoring the ball that well. I think it's fine. I honestly think it's okay, especially if you start to get a little bit more of the classic Chris Middleton we know. However, if we don't, uh, like maybe will happen. Let's see. It's just a wait and see game, like we talked about earlier with Chris at this point. But Drew, we know, is capable. Like we've seen it this entire season, and it's it's been different than what we've seen in years past. Like he's becoming more comfortable, uh, sort of like getting his own, uh, and it's just. It, it's sort of it's it's a changing of the guard, like I said. We're just going to have to wait and see how it unfolds because it's a new variable. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that you brought up Drew's playmaking because I think you know everyone always talks about the defense, and then in the playoffs, it's like the offense. Yes, it's it's a struggle, and he usually is going to fall off a little bit there, and everyone notices that. But yeah, that's the thing I always try to like tell people is I'm I'm like look at his assist to turnover in you know pretty much every game in the playoffs, even when his shooting is four for seventeen. Okay, he has nine assists and one turnover. He has 10 assists and one turnover. He has eight assists and two turnovers, like every single game. And I'm always like, yeah, like he's still a net positive. You know, he's still make as you said, finding ways to be impactful. And yeah, that's something that I think people definitely need to, I guess, pay a little bit more attention to. And playmaking is not super flashy. Nobody really notices, you know, that stuff as much as scoring. And, you know, they notice his defense, but um, definitely a little bit of an underrated part of his game. So I wanted to, I wanted to ask if, if Drew right now is like a, we're going to, uh, we'll say he's a 10 right now offensively in the regular season. What do you expect him to drop to in the playoffs this year? Cause you know, again, there's people that should we expect him to be close to that level still in the playoffs? Should we expect him to drop off a lot? Should we expect him to drop off a little, you know, what, 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 what level would you expect him to kind of drop off to? Let's say if, if I'm setting the scale here, I'd say like last season and uh, the season prior, I'd say he drops to like a six or a seven offensively. If he That's starts fair. at a 10, yeah. I, I'd, I'd say probably he goes to like an eight, maybe a seven, eight this season, like a step up because he's had to do more uh, carrying a load offensively this season. So he's gotten more reps. He's It's yep. been like a constant thing of him having to be the second best guy. So when he's thrust into that role come playoff time, like look at that Boston series last year. He'll be used to that. He'll be used to being the second option on this team now. He'll have all the reps he needs. And even if his shooting doesn't translate super well, like we mentioned, 
he'll still find ways to make an impact on offense and he'll know how to get to his spots. He'll be more comfortable in that role because like in that Boston series, we saw it's he's operating out of his comfort zone, but he's made that his comfort zone this season. All right, Nathan, we always do our uh, Twitter poll question on Thursday, Rohan. Uh, Nathan puts out a Twitter poll question, gets a bunch of responses, uh, and then we talk about it at the end of the podcast. Nathan Marzian, what is the poll question today? All right, so the first round matchup is basically going to, it's down to pretty much four teams at this point who the Bucks could face in the first round. Hawks, Raptors, Bulls, or Heat. And the question is, which team do you least want to face in the first round? Heat won it at 46%. Raptors were 35%. Hawks, 13%. Bulls, 6%. Agreed. I'm in. I'm in on all of that. I'm not afraid of the Heat, man. I don't, I'm not I, saying, nobody, you didn't ask, are you afraid of anybody? You just those said, are, those are different I, questions. I, yeah, you're, yeah, that's I, not I, what you asked. You can't, you can't do okay. that. You can't make a poll question and then criticize people right. because the way they voted. I'm not saying, sorry, I shouldn't say afraid, but I'm, I'm, picking, I'm picking Raptors or Hawks ahead of the Heat this year. The Hawks have the two players that Giannis statistically shoots the worst against in the league this year. And the Raptors are have Nick Nurse, who just I that just I don't want to go against Nick Nurse in round one. I'm out on Nick Nurse. I'm all the way out on Nick Nurse. Yeah. I well, I just I, I'm not saying he's a like a great coach. I'm just saying I don't want to have to go against the guy that is gonna just throw guys at Giannis and like that's what he does. And I just I don't want to go against that. That's fair. That's fair. I th- I do think I, I would agree with the voters because if I'm going with highest ceiling, I'd say the best player of that of the teams in that bunch is going to be Jimmy Butler. So if obviously like if I'd want to face a team the least, it's the team with the best player of that bunch. Unless, unless but of course you have to take into account that it's Fred Van Vliet against the Bucks. So that's true. Has he had a kid though? Uh no, not that I know of. Okay, so it's fine then. Yeah, we're good. uh uh yeah, so Jimmy Butler is fair. I to be clear, I think the Bucks are sweeping every one of every single one of those teams. I don't think there's going to be a game taken uh, in the first round against the Milwaukee Bucks unless something catastrophic happens. Uh, because it, in terms of like, I'm trying to think of the ways that teams can beat the Bucks. Like, if you want to say the Hawks, uh, they probably have the highest ceiling in terms of like three point variance. Uh, the Bucks have sort of they've they've shifted their defense and uh, they're not really giving up high volume three point shooting nowadays. And they've got the perimeter defenders to lock up guys like Trey Young they, uh, and Dejounte Murray. Both when you have Drew Holiday, when you have Javon Carter, when you have Wes Matthews, uh, you've got that tandem to really to really give those guys trouble because they have this great collection of perimeter defenders. It's just none of those teams really scare me. But I I would say the Heat probably if I had to pick one, it would be the Heat. Be- purely because they have the best player and the best coach. Yes, that's you. That's Eric Spolster. That is fair. That is fair. I just, I don't know. I, I've watched the heat a lot and I'm just like, this team's just not that good. And I like, again, I'm more of a guy. Like I, I look at the Hawks and say, okay, like you said, the three point variance is there that if they do get hot combined with the fact that they do have a couple guys that, you know, Giannis historically doesn't play great against. It's like, I, that worries me a little bit. I'm not, we're not going to lose a series, but it's like, okay, who would I, who would I bet to get a game against us or two? I probably the Hawks. I don't know. I mean, I, I, guys, I just, I'm the a little heat, bit out in the heat. The intensity that the heat are going to bring in the playoffs is going to be something more than what the other teams are going to bring. Probably the physicality of how they're going to play is going to be at another level too. You, you know, you could talk about a uh, physicality of throwing elbows, cheap shots, whatever you want to call it. 
but they're not just going to roll over and not be physical with this Bucks team if they get into the playoffs, especially if that Heat team is relatively healthy. Plus, uh, you know, again, you got Tyler Hero, who's playing that hometown team of his that's going to have family and friends and everybody else watching. There's going to be a little added pressure on him to perform up to standards with all eyes on him, so he's going to be ratcheted up. You know about Butler. And out of bio, say what you want, but that, that'll be entertaining to watch him in Brook Lopez uh, down underneath. I, I think Miami is definitely a team uh, of those teams that would provide uh, the biggest challenge. I mean, nobody's taking the Bulls seriously, so forget them. Uh, the Raptors, again, Van Vliet, okay, fine. You know, uh, may, maybe if he catches fire for a couple of games, but this is not the Kawhi Leonard Raptors, uh, with, with all due respect to, to Nick Nurse. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, you know, helped make Nick Nurse, and I don't know if it's the other way around necessarily. Uh, and then the Atlanta Hawks, yeah. I mean, anytime you got you know Murray and, and Young, they're gonna be able to sc- score it. And if they both score it on the same night, Bucks lose a game. Are they gonna lose the series? No, I, I definitely don't think they're losing the series. One last thing. So you, Rohan, and Ty, uh, had a watch party with you, uh, you all the other night. So tell everybody about that and how that all went, because then I have questions. Yeah, we, we had a good time. It was uh, we we had, uh, promoted it in our uh, Discord channel and just like on some pods. It was just a great opportunity because uh, we had uh, we had our friends Adam and Andrew uh, come to Wisconsin together for the first time. Adam came all the way from Ireland. It was just a it, it was just a great experience, and we wanted to be able to like put something together with all of uh, all the Eurostep guys being together. So we uh, we had this just a watch party for Brewers Mets and then Bucks Wizards at Pilot Project uh, in in downtown Milwaukee. And it was just, uh, it was a great time. People came out, watched the game with us. We just had some, had some food, had some drinks. It was just, it was a great time chatting with everyone, getting to meet everyone. It was just, a, it was a great experience. Um, I mean, you said it, all the guys. I saw a picture. If that was everybody, there were like no girls. There was like one or two, a bunch of dudes just sitting around. Where were all the yeah. women, man? It, it like to be fair, that picture was not like uh, it was. It was just taken at one point. There was a rotation. Like, oh, okay. In. Like people were coming and going and leaving. So there so were that more than two a... women at this thing throughout the day. Yeah, it, it was. It, it there was like a different group of people. Now, I'm just, just saying, hey, sports talk, man. We got a bunch of dudes that listen, right? I mean, if you're at a rock station or a hip hop station, there are a bunch of women that listen to those stations. Mm-hmm. Sports talk I is mean, yeah, a our, lot our, of guys. Our, yes, our, our our listenership is primarily male, so that like there were way more men than women there. Sure, right, absolutely. Did you sign autographs? No, absolutely. Did Ty? <laughs> No, if there's one person who would, it would be Ty, though. I think Ty would sign autographs, yes. I, I would agree with that, which is fine. I mean, somebody wants your autograph, sign the autograph. Marzion does it on Water Street every weekend. I mean, it's, no. it's normal for Nathan, without question. Uh, hey, Rohan, tell everybody what's coming up, what's going on over at Eurostep. Yeah, just uh, here at the Eurostep Podcast Network. Find that feed wherever you want, gspn.info. We just, uh, we're going to be having wall-to-wall uh, Bucks playoff coverage. It's going to be... Uh, we we always try to get as much content out there as the playoffs roll on because we know uh, people people love playoff content. It's the best time of the year. We have high level basketball, and we're just going to try and provide for the people. That's that's all you can do is provide for the people. Follow him on oh, Twitter wait. at yes. Or, sorry, promote him first, but then I got something really. Yeah, quick. provide uh, follow Rohan on Twitter at r k a t t i j r. Uh, and again, download this podcast where you download your favorite podcast. We're now also on the Odyssey Sports page on YouTube. Downloads a couple days after the audio is up. So if uh, you can't keep track of what I said about his Twitter account, you'll see it on the video screen when you watch it on YouTube. Go ahead. Um, Eric Name tweeted, Bucks submitted their injury report for Friday's game against the Grizzlies. 
Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke, Grace, and Pat all out. Yeah. So, Brooke shouldn't play right. the rest of the year. I, I would sit all of them. It'll be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Then absolutely. It's It'll be fun oh, in the West to see how I'm many so guys. I, I'm, how many I'm fun in the dunks are we getting? Yeah. I, I want to see how many people get sit in the West as everybody tries to avoid Phoenix. That That's going to be the fun game there because everybody's trying to not get in that 4-5 matchup with Phoenix. So it'll be fun to see what Darvin Ham and the Lakers do and how they approach this uh, going it's, forward. It's, it's, interesting you. Too. it's interesting, too, because like you, you want to avoid Phoenix, but then if you try to avoid them too much, you fall into the plan. So it's like you're kind of like yep. in a weird spot there. It's yeah, just no a doubt. mess. It's an absolute yep. mess. Which is great for sports. Great for the NBA, oh, man. It. Gets people watching, right? We love chaos. No doubt. Rohan and, of course, our guy Nathan Marziad. Thanks so much for coming on. Enjoy the rest of your day. Toodles. Toodles.